I had a friend that wanted to set up a GoFundMe page and I had, um, I didn't have peace with that. And honestly, if you wanna ask me why I didn't have peace uh, with that is because I had a lot of guilt in asking other people to make sacrifices for me to do something like this. And I had friends ask me, what is any different with us giving you money to go do this than us giving money to somebody that was going on a missions trip because we would do that. And I realized this is, this is missions and we are going to be taking this and going back into our communities to just break chains and just show people the freedom that they that there is that they can have through this and um, there doesn't have to be guilt in receiving a gift from someone that that's not just a gift from them but it's a gift from God because he sees you and he wants to provide for you in in getting you here that very first day that I was sharing I think this is it I think this is this is God's next step for me I don't know, and I, I shared to a large group of my ladies in ministry, I don't know how God's going to get me there, but I think this is my calling, and I believe that He'll provide if it is. And this young lady came up to me, and she's single, and she's a hairdresser, and she said, I had a customer today give me a tip, and they, they completely overpaid me and they gave me way too much money and I, I stopped them and I said, you've given me too much. And they said, no, um, we have a feeling we're supposed to give you that much. And she said, I sat here and listened to your story and what your calling is. And she said, I know I'm supposed to pass that tip on to you. And I opened up my hands and it's a hundred dollar bill that this young lady that's single, that provides for herself, she has no other income, had received a hundred dollar tip and heard this calling and knew that she was supposed to pass that on to me. And it's so humbling to receive uh, that kind of sacrifice from other people. Hey everyone, oh my gosh, did you just hear that testimony? If you skipped forward and didn't hear that testimony, please go back and listen to that because testimony releases something in us. It it dictates, it tells us what the future is hopeful for. So um, you guys, my name is Elisa Keaton. Welcome to the Revelation Wellness Podcast. You just heard from Shannon, a graduate of Platoon 22, a fitness teacher, gospel preacher. Um, and it just blesses my socks off to hear how God provides. So whether you're hoping to be in Platoon 23 of our next round of instructor training, or you've got a pressing need and you need God to provide, what a great message there from Shannon. Hey, today, usually on Mondays, we release a podcast to you that would include your body, going for a walk or a run or moving or being still and positioning your body. Well, today we're going to give you something a little different that still has to do with the body, the body of Christ. You are going to have a behind the scenes listen to a workshop that we just did at our recent graduate at Platoon 22 of Fitness Teacher Gospel Preachers. It's a workshop called Raising Up Rev. It's all about how do we, how do we do this in our homes? How do we produce a legacy in our homes of getting healthy, being whole and loving others? What does it look like to, to really live this out? Because that's what the body is for, that it would act, it would show in action and word and deed what we truly believe. And our kids are watching. 
and it's messy and it's tough, especially the culture that we're in and the time we're in right now. And so we wanted to bring you hope today. If you're a mother or you're a father, even if you're not a mother or father, we want you to listen because this is the reality of uh, what it feels like to be parenting in this time. Maybe you weren't parented this way and you still need to hear some words of encouragement. We're going to talk about sexuality. We're going to talk about peer pressure. We're going to talk about what is it like for our kids? How can we be have them in the world and yet not fall to some of the, the traps, fall prey to some of the traps? What's it look like for us? It's really about us too. How do we have the work done in us so that we can be good stewards of God's grace and his truth? So you're going to learn all kinds of things today. I want to tell you that the um, audio is not the best. You know, we, we did it. It's very raw. It's very real. Like I said, it's it's shot behind the scenes at our last instructor training retreat. At every instructor training retreat, we do different workshops. We have some that are always the same and then some new ones. And this one just is a favorite. It, got, it was one of the most popularly rated uh, workshops of the entire retreat. So... I hope it blesses you today. If you have any questions, email us, info at revelationwellness.org. Um, it's, there's a panel of instructors that are sharing on this um, podcast, so um, you're not just hearing from only me. You're going to hear from a lot of people who are in it with you as you are too. So be blessed by it. If you're ready for to enroll in Platoon 23, it's time. Come on, swipe up on the show notes, hit the link, get going. You have about six weeks left to get ready for Platoon 23. And if you want, there are show notes here too. So if you couldn't understand what was being said, you can download the show notes, the transcribed, the entire podcast. This one was so important. We wanted you to have the actual written, um, what is shared and what is said. So you feel free to do that. Okay. Thanks, you guys. Thank you for how you share this podcast. Thank you for leaving reviews. Thank you for praying for this podcast. Thank you to our donors who make it possible. I sure hope to see you soon on that mountain for Platoon 23 or at one of our upcoming events. Take care. We'll talk soon. Peace. All right. So welcome to Raising Up Rev. We keep doing new things with this um, this workshop because we said we have a heart for the generation ahead of us. So that's why we have seniors going on over there, and we have a heart for the generation coming up behind us. We've done all kinds of different things, showing fitness, showing things a way you can you know keep an active lifestyle in your home and those types of things, and they've been really good. But we really feel that a heart right now. I think there's just a lot of maybe questions we have as parents now. Um, in, in raising in a culture, a kingdom culture is really what we call it. It's how we raise our kids in a kingdom culture. Um, and maybe we're going to share a little bit with you of how it's the two main things we're going we're gonna to add or questions that we're going to address and then maybe just share some scenarios. Or, like I know that I have two key things that I really would love to share with you that I would say have just changed, game changers in our home game changers, and then they can maybe do that as well. But the first question was um, how Rev has changed the role, my role in the family. And then the second question is how have I seen um, it affecting the family? Does that wait? Courtney, I love your writing, but I can't read it. Let me read mine. How have have you seen the fruit in your family? Okay, so how's it affected me, and then basically how have I seen fruit in someone else, okay? 
Um, so first of all, let me just take a minute and go through and introduce who's up here, okay? So we'll start right here. Anybody just say what platoon number you are? Any, maybe kids and all that. Okay. My name is Heather Gerlach, and I was platoon 16. I have a daughter, Eden, who is 14, almost 14, and my son, Owen, who is almost 11. My name is Crystal Vanderheiden, and I was in platoon 15, and I have seven kids. And um, this is important for later, but I was pregnant for the fourth time, and um, that's when we met the three oldest kids. So they came to us at that time. So I have some upper 20-year-olds, and yes, it is biologically possible, but we're not talking about that. And I have um, 16, 14, 12, and 10. I'm Wes Shorey, and I have three children, Isaiah, Brina, and Lydia, so from almost 10 to 4. Awesome, thank you. I am Tammy LaFleur, and I have three girls, uh, 12, 10, and 5, and my 12-year-old's about to be 13, so, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, platoon? Oh, I'm sorry, platoon 2, yeah. Platoon? Platoon 2. Okay. I'm platoon in my mother's womb, <laughs> and I have two children. My son, Jack, who's 17, a senior, about to go away to college. Go Bruins! Ah, oh, go Bruins! That's right, I'm going to send you over to check on him, Joanne. Go check on him. I haven't heard from him in days. Go see. Um, so that's my son, Jack, and then my daughter, Sophia, 15, who is in the back over there. So, um, yeah. So we're, I could say we, we cover the, the gamut. We're in the thick of it in a bit. So I'm sure probably we're representing ages that you are all in in some way. Um, and we hope to just bless you a little bit with some key things and then open it up for you guys, okay? So I would say how Rev has affected me personally, well, I've encountered the gospel. And it's wrecked me, right? I've allowed it to wreck me. You know my story, so I shared that with you, but how I, I wanted my husband to love me, I needed, I needed from him, I needed people to do things for me to make me feel safe and in control and not so scared. So the gospel grabbed me and I began to do the work of me. And I think that is the first thing, is that you've got to do your work. There's work to do, and you've heard me say in the podcast that if I have a problem with you, what? There's a problem in me. And so iron sharpens iron. So it's just there to show me something. It doesn't make it easy, but that is what Rev has just put the gospel in me, that I, I've got to turn my cheek. There's something else I've got to find. There's something in me. Um, especially, we're talking about, we have an authority role as a parent. And it's different if someone else, like it's an authority role, so we hold it very gently. We have to, it, it's something that we have such, impact for good or for evil and we all know let's just say it our kids are going to need jesus yes? yes and the way that we show them that they need jesus is probably the next thing that i've done a lot in my family is that i exemplify and ask for forgiveness a lot <coughs> from a very young age and i teach my kids what it looks like to ask for forgiveness too of each other like they don't just get to say i'm sorry and move on like no, we're gonna, we'll, we'll give you some more tools on it. If you haven't gone to our um, the website too, has a, a download under the freebies. You can put up on a chalkboard or put up on a refrigerator. It shows you how to walk through forgiveness as a family. It allows space for someone to be heard on how you hurt them. 
That's really probably the most key thing because that brings up empathy in us. So I have to be able to hear how I'm hurting somebody. And it sucks. And it, death to self, right? Burn, burn, burn. But that I need to hear it. I need the feedback. My team, my family is my team. My family was chosen for me and they're on mission with me. There's no surprise about me being who I am or them being the children for me. We just have to keep coming back to the table. So that's really been how it's affected me, but how I've seen it affect my kids is that they are humble too, for the most part. <laughs> um, the most part, it's still a process. They are becoming their own people. Their frontal lobes haven't closed, people. Right, so they do things, they're sideways, especially as they become teenagers. Um, and so I've had to transition, and there's those transitions of when you're young, you know, the, the boundaries are close. You, you are to keep them from running in the road, and they are to, you know, kind of listen to your commands, and they want to do that. So it's the heart of how we do that that really matters. Um, but as they grow, it, it, you expand, and you have to give them more room to fall. You have to give them room to fail and they have to have a safe return. So I think I'm still, with my kids, the fruit, we're still watching it play out, but here's what I know, we love each other, we keep coming back and choosing each other, and saying we're in it together. Even if one looks like they're gonna wander away, that I can trust that my love will pull them back, pray for them, hold for them, and they'll come back, and they have to be trusted to Jesus as well. So there's a teachability, there's a reception back and forth that we talk with one another. If you guys haven't heard me talk about the table of truth, have you ever heard me talk about that? <clears throat> Where we allow a time at dinner, we don't do it all the time, but we just say, um, okay, someone throws down the table of truth card. Table of truth, I'll go first. In other words, I'm putting myself on the table and each person gets to go around and tell me how am I doing. I put myself on the table. So one attempt, the rules are, you have to say something they're doing right, something you're seeing them improving upon or you know, listening to, and then they get to say something we can grow in. And I listen to my kids do that, one at a time, and I have to receive it, and I have to put myself in a posture. I wanna hear this, feedback is everything. And if you give a kid a voice in feedback, even if they get old and rebellious, they'll come back because you were a tender heart for the place for them to be. Who wants to go next? Well, I think the number one thing for our family is um, my son actually comes to my classes with me. And so he gets to hear the message. He gets to see um, the way that we interact um, with each other and how much um, the message that I'm trying to send to them, um, how it relates to people differently. And he gets to know um, how we pray for one another. And so when we're at home, he'll talk about the message that we had at class. And he'll remind me sometimes um, for my own good of what we talked about. And then he'll also want to pray for those people in my class. So just, um, the way that we are opening that conversation of praying for one another, mm -hmm. even at the age of 10 and 11, mm -hmm. I just love that so much. Mm -hmm. um, also, now that my daughter is a teenager, um, sometimes when I'm preparing my classes, 
I'll say, like for instance, this weekend I was talking about suffering. What do you think about suffering? So it kind of gives me a way to talk about the harder things with her without making it necessarily about her. Yeah. You know, it just kind of opens that up. And so it's been such a blessing that I can talk to her about things that I know are going on in her life, like anxiety and things like that as a 14-year-old. Um, but sort of know that it's it's not just her that has anxiety. There are lots of people. And, you know, she can give me her input. So we're sort of communicating about her in a, in a roundabout way. Mm-hmm. So that's just been a really great blessing. How's, how's Rev affected you as a mother? And me as a mother. Um, yeah, I'm definitely the one who is, is sharing the truth, sharing lots of truth, um, not only, you know, through class, but at home, even, um, you know, when it doesn't come so easily to me, I know that it needs to be said. And so just being able to process what it is um, about loving others and being set free, what that looks like, so that they can then learn, well, I want to be free so that I can set others free. You know, that it's just things that you wouldn't normally talk about in your family, but now that we have Rev, it's just opened up all kinds of conversation and culture. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, um, I have been following the Lord, like born again, chasing after Jesus hard, um, Christian, for about 21 years. So I feel like I have read every Christian parenting book ever written. And there's good stuff in them, right? And um, I think looking back, I would say I did pretty well in the younger years where everything was like, no, don't touch that. <laughs> Why? Right. Because I said so, right? Like, that's enough, you know? Then as the kids got older and, you know, then we almost doubled them and there was, you know, not beyond teenagers, but one of them was 18 and it didn't work anymore. And I was really struggling a lot with what was going on in my home. And I could love my kids, but I really didn't like them. Woo! Preach! And um, so what Red did for me is... It actually made me remember, it was from a parenting book by Rev Bradley, it's called Child Training Tips. It's probably not even in print anymore, I don't know. But he had told a story about learning to accept his teenage son, who really felt love when he took a dishwashing job, because the, the kids there had tattoos like him, and you know, listened to his music and whatever. And as a father, Rev had always been like, no, that's bad, you know, no, no, that's bad. And so I remember hearing that, but when I came to Rev, kind of that light bulb went back on, and, and God was like, you might need to just accept your kids for who God made them to be. If you're all about original design and, and accepting it for yourself, right? And I was like, ugh, that's really hard. So I do not want to give you like the Insta story or Facebook version of it, because I have not done this beautifully. It's been super hard, and I, I've lost it, and it's been a mess, but I have tried over the years now to just really accept my kids for how God made them and find ways to, to be with them. You know what I mean? To just become their friend. That's really a part of the process later on as they grow. And so um, my oldest daughter, who's now 28, um, 
she came to me when she was about to turn 18, and it's a long story, but basically um, she was aging out of the foster system, okay? But she still needed a family. And so when she came to live with us, and her brothers were there too, but I don't have their permission to share. I have hers, okay? So when she came to us, she chose to live with us, right? That's a little different situation than what most of our kids have. And so it, it was so good for me to know that I had to treat her in such a way that she actually wanted to be a part of our family. Don't ever treat your any kids <laughs> any differently. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted her to feel loved and accepted. And at first, because of kind of some history, she was doing things that were not okay with us. And we had to address sin, and we had to have rules, right? Like, we just did. And then when things, you know, happened behind our back and we knew, you know, we did have to deal with it. And sometimes, like I said, I lost myself over it and I didn't deal well. And yet I came back around to, but I love you. I, I, I want to be with you, even through this mess. You know, I want you. I want you in my life. That's good. So we did. And, you know, we worked on it. And now she literally is my best friend. She is the reason I got my first tattoo at 42. <laughs> I mean, we have to get tattoos to be cool. But you know what I mean? Like, we help. just, we do things together. Piercings, tattoos, country music, things like that. <laughs> and it's fun. And I love her for who she is. And I, I feel like if she was here, what she would say is, I'm so glad that they put up with me. When I wasn't ready to just, like, just you know, submit and listen just because they said so. They let me try things out, find myself, and belong. And so I was recently at, it was a marriage seminar actually, but the speaker put three words up, and it was um, believe, behave, belong. And he challenged us with, okay, in the Christian world, what order do you think those go in if we give them an order? <clears throat> Thought about that a little minute. What do you think? Do you have an idea? Anyone? Right. Most people think you actually have to behave first to come to Jesus, right? Well, if you look at Jesus' life, what did he do? Did he allow people to hang with him? Absolutely. He let them belong. He let them belong until they could believe. And then they wanted to behave. And I will never forget those three words. You know? And so... Give them, give your kids a place to belong. That's good. That's good. Thank you. Rooch! I ain't following that. Come on, Tammy. Oh, Tammy, you got banana. Yeah, I do. Like, I am like, I wrote notes. We're writing our own notes. And um, so I have to say, like, so I'm going to answer the questions. Um, <laughs> but I do have a story that I have to share. Um, because it will, it really changed me. Um, how did Rev, specifically instructor training, um, change the way that I care for my family? It gave me a voice. Now, some of you have been in class with me and my small group can attest. I'm not afraid to use my voice. And I am pretty outspoken, um, but I have this tender place for my husband and a desire to protect him. And so I will tend to step back so that he can be that voice um, and uh, not disagree all the time, maybe with him when maybe I ought to. Um, 
And when we first got married, my husband was not a believer. He grew up Catholic. Um, but he loved what I did, like going to a Christian church and the service and all of that. Um, and I wasn't teaching Rev at the time, but I went through training, which he fully supported. We had two young kids when I went through training. And I started teaching classes not too long after that. And I had a voice. And it was of the gospel. And I couldn't keep it out of my heart. So basically, I was kind of living a pseudo-double life. You know, I loved the Lord, and I would do my Bible study. This is pre-Rev. And then I would have time with my husband and my kids. And then after Rev, it just bleh, everywhere. I couldn't stop it. I didn't want to stop it. He didn't. And here's the thing. He never once was offended. Yeah. It was my own junk, yeah, right? Totally. So, and then that just all over my kids. <laughs> like, I, my baby shower for my third, my five-year-old, do you remember that? She prayed. Yeah. We, everyone gathered around me and prayed, and my five-year-old was like, okay, we'll pray. And she just like, the heavens opened. Yeah. Like that child. And so I continue to pray for her. Lord, let her continue to hear from you and speak out. Mm -hmm. And speak out. Um, now, as far as, so that's one fruit, um, or how it's impacted my kids. This, though, is, I would say, the most impactful thing, because I can say I had nothing to do with it. We were at a, um, a Rev on the Road in Phoenix, and I got to be there, and I was kind of looking around and seeing who to pray for and things like that. And um, my daughter, Kaden, who is 12, going to be 13, and she's the one I'm most, I love, like, I mean, I love all my kids. But, like, she's tender and sweet and not as outgoing and um, I don't want to ever see her get hurt of course but and I know it's going to happen um, but it, anything that I can do to help protect her I will and so I'm asking the Lord what um, what can I is there anyone that I could pray for in the room and I left her by herself kind of and I, and I saw her and she was just standing she was kind of swaying back and forth and I was like Lord is there anything you have for her Dude, is there something that I could pray for her for and I heard him say, because we had just gone through a rough time, and I heard him say, no, she's good. She's good. And it wasn't like a, she's good, but I really had this sense of like, oh, she's got me. She knows me. She's okay. And because um, I can go, I can spew a lot of crazy on my kids. Like, the Lord is refining me all the time. Um, and that's my fear, is that my crazy has poured out. And um, we were driving home, and it was late, and I remember telling her, I was like, yeah, I was like looking around the room to see if there was someone I could pray for, and he brought me to you, and I looked over at you, and I just really felt him say, no, she's good. And she looked at me, and she was like, yeah, well, I'm good. And I'm like, okay. I was like, I just worry that some of my crazy is going to stick on you and, and kind of <laughs> cause you some crazy. She's like, mom, there's nothing, none of your crazies ever can <laughs> I wish I could remember the exact words, but it's like, none of your crazy couldn't hurt me. I, I have Jesus in my heart. I'm like, oh. I'm like, she's got it. Now, doesn't mean she's not going to stray and walk her own path and find her own way. And you guys, I've never sat down and had this conversation with my kids. Do you? Are you sure you love the Lord? Or are you sure it's in your heart? And, I mean, we just don't have those conversations. But we do just, it's common practice in our home to say the name of Jesus, to pray, to openly have these conversations. One more thing about this child that she's done that has totally wrecked me 
is um, she makes cards for her friends for birthdays and things like that. And there was a friend of hers that she'd had a falling out with, and she was invited to the girls' party for whatever reason, awesome, great. She's making the girls' card, and it wasn't like rainbows and unicorns. It was. No, it was not a cross. Okay. <laughs> it was Susie. It's not the girl's name. It was Susie. You were strong. Mm. You were brave. Oh. You were kind. Wow. You were a good friend. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, she's speaking originally. Sign over this child. That's right. Because that child is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know her family. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. And again, I've never had these formal, so now good. your original design is how the Lord, it just, it happens, you guys. It just is overflow. I'm going to tell you, sorry, unsolicited uh, advice. Stay tethered. Come to the table. Show up. Continue to be fed. And it will continue to overflow and pour Amen. out. Especially in the warmest layer. Um, 
especially from my own self-soothing, my own yeah, coping mechanisms, mm -hmm. right? Rather than take trying to control it myself to go to him. <coughs> and showing my children more of what that looks like mm -hmm. to go to God and let him help me in my pain. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. That's good. Um, practically, favorite resource? You, you named a book. So what was that book again? I don't even know if that's in print anymore. It was Child Training Tips. Uh, recently, we've used Grace-Based Parenting yeah. and Connected Families. It's a website that has tons of resources. Heather? I don't really have many books that I read. But I do read the Bible. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. Yes, but you know, actually, my son is one of the biggest fans of Be Still and Be Loved. Oh my gosh, that's your. Yeah. He told me to tell you that he's your biggest fan. So sweet. Tell him. Yeah, who doesn't have some kids that need to chill out? Really? And so it's just the craziest thing when I say, okay, it's time for quiet time. And you hear Elisa Keaton's voice coming from your son's room. <laughs> Seriously. And sometimes it's on repeat because there's a whole plate. He demands a playlist of them. But just to listen, like he's in there lying down, yeah. listening to these messages and breathing. Yeah. And one thing I didn't mention is that he's on the autism spectrum, yeah. which is so super important. For them especially to breathe and take time out. Be in their bodies. And be in their bodies. And so that um, has been a great resource for us. That's crazy. So thank you. Yeah. She she posted something back on the family page, didn't you? Of your son. I mean, I've I have tears. Mm -hmm. This little boy face down, prone, like on the ground, just listening. Just you know, my own voice is weird to me, but it's like wow. Okay, so, yeah, that's amazing. Um, I would say a favorite resource of mine is Raising Giant Killers by Bill Johnson. It's a new one, and it's fantastic. What's that? Oh, there it is. Here it is right here. Bill Johnson, Raising Giant Killers. Great book. Um, just, just Amen. Yes. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, I've probably read some other great books. Chris Allison has a book called Kingdom. The kingdom culture, or yes. kingdom something. Kingdom culture. So you just you just get the kingdom in you, and it comes out, so that you don't have to have conversations of like, "What are you saying?" Yeah, they're seeing it just played out in their role in their home, and then they're making, I you know, speaking life over their enemies. Because that's just what you do. Yeah, and yeah, agree. Like love this, and the thing, it because it's not a parenting book. It's a, you know. Put yourself in a mirror book, you know. So, because and it's not. And on the other side of that, though, Bill Johnson does a really great job of also making the point that you're not responsible. You're responsible for your kids, but you're not responsible for your kids. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. They're ours. You know, they've been given us to steward and to care for and to love. Um, but you know. At that point, they do make their own decisions. So um, I love this. And then really, like Elisa, I mean, I just have to like, because I was like, oh. and I am reading this, but at the same time, it's just scripture, just being in the word and like allowing the Lord to teach you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll take that. I have a few here. Um, 
specifically in the area of sexuality. Good. One of the, the best resources we ever stumbled across is called The Story of Me. Mm -hmm. It's by Brenda Jones. And it's beautiful because it, it's, it's age appropriate levels and it's a series of books. And so it starts even at like age four. That's and awesome. how to start talking so about good. how God created you good and that you were his good idea. Great. And then everything about you is part of that. And as your children get older, there are books for, for deeper conversation. Um, and so even as recently as just last month, my, so we, we, we do daddy-daughter and daddy-son dates and mother-son dates and mother-daughter dates. Um, so we take one child out and we do something fun. And it's usually, like for my seven-year-old, it's always Panera and it's always mac and cheese. But then we will, after that, we will go and have deeper conversation. So especially with my son this last month, we, we started really getting into this whole thing about sex and Good. pornography Good. And, at 10. Because I know it's coming, yeah. and it's yeah. coming soon. Yeah. And I want to be the person that he goes to and says, Dad, tell me about this. My friends are saying this. Because I told him, your friends don't know anything. <laughs> so true. I'm the expert. You're here. I'm, yeah, that's why you're here. Come talk to me. Come talk to me about that stuff. I will set, set them straight, right? And what's beautiful about it, especially, and I'm saying this, especially if you've got a husband who, or another man in their life who thinks, okay, how do I even have this conversation? Is it, it's, it's a dialogue. This, the books are a dialogue. And so I read a part, and he reads a part. I'm reading the part of the parent, he's reading the part of the child asking the question. So it feels way less awkward to them, and it gives us prompts. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then and when we're all done reading, I can say, do you have any other questions? Like, did that bring any other stuff up for you? Mm -hmm. So this has been a super, super helpful tool in that just that it's, a, it's in the tool belt. Good. Yeah. Um, there's two things I want to hit, too. Um, I want to talk a little bit about technology. We can do that. But before I talk about technology, I think a bigger thing is that at any age, I don't care what age they are. First of all, you saw what I did in the original design about mirroring and looking eye to eye with them. As soon as you can, starting with that, you know, just catching their eye and spending time not angry, you know, like really delighting in them at any age, however you can. And I know it gets harder as they get older. Um, but they really, at any age, want to be heard. So something I'm learning right now, I, I, turns out I'm a better microphone than a sounding board. But I need to become a better sounding board at the age I'm at with my children. Because they're, 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 they're kind of becoming their own people. They need sounding boards. When they're young, they need microphones. They need leadership. They need a voice, someone to direct. But it transitions out and you need to be a soundboard. But at any age, they want to be heard and empathized with. So I, I know this too, and I'll tell you, and my sweet daughter's back there. I can remember um, pain really just alarming me, amygdala, firing up, and I wouldn't know what to do. And my response in pain is anger. It's the strangest thing. And I can remember one time when she was riding her bike, we were going to Mission Beach. We're riding our bike to yogurt. Do you remember this, Sophia? Oh, I love you. 
Um, and we're riding our bikes, and I'm nervous about them riding their bikes. She's probably about five, and Jack's about seven or eight. And you know, you're, you're scared because they're behind you, and hopefully, no traffic. We're like on the side streets, but I was nervous about them falling off the bike or whatever. And sure enough, we're coming back from yogurt, and, and Sophia hits a bump or something and falls off the bike. And Sophia has a very loud cry. <laughs> and that cry for me would send me into like a fight or flight, and I fight. And I remember like grabbing her and like being so upset that she fell, mm-hmm. like kind of mad. Why didn't let you do it, you know? And I say that that is, that is so sad to me. And I remember after it happened, or actually as it was happening, as if the Holy Spirit was saying, and by the way, I was leading my this time. This was many, many years ago, but I was starting about the ministry. I remember thinking later, what's wrong with me? That's, that's not how we're supposed to do that. You know, it should have been, she was crying, needing to be heard, and it should have been a peaceful looking her in the eye. It's going to be okay. Are you okay? I'm with you. It's going to be okay. I love you. Oh, where'd you hurt? I bet that hurt. I'm so sorry that hurt. You know, that, that really will fill them of safety, that they're okay, and that they're being heard. That is really, it goes back to the belonging thing, too. So at any age, now I'm learning it more so with teenagers, that they have something to share, that they need, they need to talk more, I need to listen more. More from them, less from me, and then I can reflect what I'm hearing. So I hear you saying that you don't want to go to the whatever event. And I I hear you saying because of this. Am I getting that right? You're asking them, yeah, you're getting that right. Is there anything else? Those type of questions, so you're drawing them out. I'm really good at kind of going, well, that's just, you know, dumb. We just need to go, right? (laughs) Let's fix it out. You know, fix your stuff. Like, whatever. Instead, there's a reason it's coming out of them, too. So empathy can fire up in our brain and then become, they become really good empathetic people. What would you say to somebody who doesn't necessarily have kids of their own, but still feels like they have a mentoring role in future generations? Yeah. Yeah, you should. So, um, we leave the marriage State the question again. Yeah, so Courtney just said, what would you say to someone who doesn't have kids of their own, but feels led to be involved in the lives of children? And um, I'm involved in the leading the marriage and parenting ministry at our church. And, oh, I hope I get this right. I think it's the book Sticky Faith. Um, But it talks about... They did a lot of research. The single biggest factor in a child continuing their faith beyond the age of 18 was them having a relationship with another adult outside of their parents who was following the Lord. So I would say, do it. (laughs) It's amazing. I mean, they just need to know. It's hard, right? Your parents are your parents. And and they tell you all these great things, and, and you want... You want that for them, but they do have to make it their own. And so it helps them so much to see an other reasonable adult that they probably think is cool, you know, or whatever, um, to know that they're making the same choices. So I would just say it is of extreme importance. And, and allow that for your kids. Allow them to have other relationships, whether it's youth group or whatever it looks like in your situation. And I would echo that and say be praying right now for mentors for your yeah. children. I mean, it's, it, it was one of the biggest parts of my spiritual formation was having those friendships outside of my parents. Mm-hmm. And right now, I've got a young man who, when stuff is tough in his 
life, he comes to me. And we just hang out. Mm -hmm. And it, it, we don't necessarily talk about anything important. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we do because I'm in a safe place. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to come down on him the way that a parent might if he comes to me and says, so I've been smoking weed, mm -hmm. right? And you're 17. Okay. Mm -hmm. Have you talked to your parents about this? No. Okay, well, let's talk some more. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just, yeah, to in agreement, I had the opportunity this past year um, to uh, mentor a group of college girls with Young Life, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't have college kids. I've never, I mean, I don't And, um, but one of my nannies, well, okay, I don't have a nanny, but one of my sitters, um, she... We had like five nannies. I, I had five nannies, and yeah, no. Um, the gal that sits for us, uh, she is involved with another small group, and she um, suggested that I, to her leader, that I get involved, or that I would be a good fit. So I'm like, all right, because I, she had said I was already doing it with her, which I'm like, I don't know. So meeting with this small group weekly has been a blessing to me because they feed me. And like Wes was saying, we don't do, like, I'm not doing formal Bible study with them. We just, in the past, like, two months started doing, and we do one page when they come of Heir to the Crown. That's awesome. I have them breathe. We ch chat for about 30 minutes. We breathe for two minutes, and then we talk about the questions, and that's it. But they're shifting, and they're changing, and it's that face-to-face -face time, that consistent face-to-face that is going to change their lives. It's not the conversations you have, those will come naturally, but it's that face-to-face -face time. And it's not taking a lot of my time. Because like I said, I have three young kids and my husband and you know, um, but it's really, it's blessed me beyond, yeah. so do it. I think I'd like to transition a little bit to technology because I think we're all in the throes of it. We feel it. I also think it's interesting because, yeah, we say, go be a mentor or go mentor someone. But I think um, it's just my thought or opinion that it's harder now for people to seek out mentorship or the need for other people. Um, and it's a challenge. But it, again, it starts with how we reflect and do relationship at home. Do our children see us scrolling when they walk in the door? When they walk in the door, are we like phones down, eyes on them? I'm so, you know, hello, how was your day? Like we, that's one of our, our kind of culture in our home. We try, no one's perfect, but we'll redo it. We do a lot of, hey, let's do that again. They walked in the house, hi, how was your day? Like eye contact again, back to that place of mirroring. Um, but we set that so, how are you? It starts with your use of technology. How attached to it are you? How much and often do you take a break from it? Do you have like technology-free days that you know it's Sunday, we're not taking our phones, you know, for a certain amount of time, whatever it is, you've got to have a practice. Technology is great. We're not going to get away from it. We need it, but we have got to be able to set our own parameters and boundaries around it and start young. Um, I know we all see it. You go to dinner and you see the kids on their iPads scrolling. And I'm not here to judge. I don't know. Now, if I saw that parent every single night, I understand when you have a dinner and you're like, okay, it's a special dinner, you know, trying to get through something. But you'll know if it's you. 
every night handing that kid an iPad to keep them pacified or quiet. Relationship just requires your presence. Um, I did a podcast about the couch balls. Don't tell you talk about that, about throwing a ball back and forth with them. That is actually proven science, neuroscience, that throwing a ball with someone back and forth soothes the brain. It allows access to them in a way that just trying to sit down and have a conversation can't. I've had so many people tell me they went out and bought like baskets of couch balls and put them around their house. So they just pick them up and start throwing them. They walk by a room and go, hey, hey, Dylan, and throw the ball. And then the kid throws it back. And then they're in, and they're just talking to him, just throwing back a few times. How was your day? Whatever. Oh, that was pretty good. There's something there about access of real-time connection and conversation. So practicing you know, times when technology breaks. There's a book called, it's a, it's a big book. It's a tough book. Um, what was it? Does anyone know the one that by... Family-wise, tech-wise, sorry, tech-wise, tech-wise family. Tech family, thank you. It's pretty intense, like that guy is like, I think he's Amish, I'm not sure, <laughs> but he could be, but they go hardcore, I think they don't have TVs, but he's really good about writing the book, saying, listen, I know we're extreme, or I know we're kind of over on this, but it's kind of what we raise, I want to challenge you to try these little areas of taking breaks um, with your technology. So maybe it's just once a day or once a week, a few hours when you go to church on Sunday, everyone leaves their phone. It's really adventuresome because you're like the pioneer days, right? Don't have a phone. Oh, we do. We like went to the mall one time and no one had their phone. We do allow. My husband keeps a phone because he's a police officer and he's kind of like needs that. But he's not going to talk to anyone. But the kids won't have a phone. We'll be at the mall and they're like, well, and they all want to split up. Well, how are we going to find each other? I'm like, we're going to meet back at a time. <laughs> Lots of them in the meat pack, right? It's kind of, it really is like a wild adventure. Well, see you later. I hope I see you again. Goodbye. Good luck, list. But it's, it's just one of those ways of, to pull back. Um, does anyone have any other thoughts on like technology use? And then we'll talk about um, safety guards. Uh, another good resource is Screens and Teens. That's written by Dr. Kathy Koch. And, um, the love languages guy, Dr. Chapman, is that his name? Gary Chapman. Gary Chapman. Um, that talks a lot about um, what the screens are doing to our brains and our relationships, yeah. which is really good. Um, it talks about yeah how it just changes how we need to interact, and I think that was very helpful to me because again I had to know I kind of needed a why to to go through the fight because it's a battle right to get them off of it, and so I needed to know that it was worth it. So that we could have a real relationship. That's good. Anyone else? Um, and then I just want to speak to the um, the access, the accessibility now with phones. We literally are like handing them guns. I think for me, um, my kids are seventeen and fifteen. I'm sure there's some that are a little bit older. But I feel like I'm, we're right in the pocket where we gave them something that we didn't even know what it was going to do. It, it's, I don't know, maybe it's like what cigarettes were back at a certain time. Everyone thought it was cool and no big deal. And they were like, oh my God, it's killing us. It's not as cool as we thought. It's not as refreshing as we thought. And, you know, with phones, oh, this is great. Look how they can look. I remember, like, people going, look how smart those kids 
are the computers. Right. Oh, they're so smart. I'm like, oh, that's really right. <laughs> They should be playing outdoors or something else, right? So I always want to say this. The Lord's not surprised by it. And there's grace for it. Like, there's, there's he's doing something with that. So if our kids are so stuck in technology right now, don't freak out. Don't freak out. Don't try to pray and exemplify a break. And look for connection. Don't be discouraged if their brains have become kind of numb to connection. They can come alive again. There's no one's relearning this. There's neurogenesis. They can relearn new patterns. Um, but the other thing would be really looking into safety locks for all your devices in your home. If I'm talking right now, you don't know if your computers are secure, that they can't go to sites and things like that. I beg you from the bottom of my heart, please go home and look into that. You can even hire and outsource a company to come do it for you at a low rate. If you're like, I don't know about technology, you can outsource it, and they'll come and set it up. Um, it's just too easy for what they're exposed to. And the highest point will be most likely the sexual predators. Um, pornography, the access to things, that it's just a hypersexualized culture as we are. But these, they, we've come a long way now with blocks and the way that you can secure so your home is safe. There are even, uh, I'm trying to remember, there, there are companies that you can actually hire to set up firewalls on your computers, yeah. all of your Wi-Fi access, so that you must have a parental uh, access code to get to specific types sites. of sites. And those usually are flagged by the server themselves that the site runs itself through. And yes, you're going to run into the issue where you say on your web browser, Star Wars, and it says blocked. But that's way better than the alternative. Yeah. Because you can always bypass it with your security code. Yeah, you just go in and yeah. put your code in. You just put your they code in, say this server is cool, and it'll let you through. But that's a great way to safeguard your children. Because the truth is... I just was talking with somebody earlier this week about how their child was on their, their school's computer and the website was a math tutoring website. And it popped up an image of a woman pressing herself against a man in, in lingerie. Mm. This, is, this is a seven-year-old who's seen this and coming home and saying, so mom, this weird thing pops up on my mm. screen. Mm. And all this shame. Now, now they're shutting down when mom says, tell me more about that. Mm. So it happens at school. How much easier is it going to happen at home when your child is looking at Minecraft YouTube? Mm, yeah. right? I'm just looking at Minecraft, Dad. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm on, on something that I never knew existed, let alone intended to go to. Yeah. One of the things that Elisa reminded me of is, you know, when we totally gave it to them. Actually, my, my parents did, so I'm blaming them. No. Um, but they had it, and we had no idea, like, really what was going on. And the thing that I regret the most that we had to change is if it's their own device, they kind of get to feeling like it's their private thing, their diary almost. It is not. That's right. We have to know if there is a passcode, I have to know it. It has to be something we can all just check out all the time. And we, we even have the protection and we use an app to, you know, to watch their texts and stuff. But I tell them, I am going to look at your phone. Yeah. Yeah. Regularly. Yeah. 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 That's, my kids know that. My husband goes, that's not your phone. That belongs to me. I'm okay. lending it to you. I beg what right. And so, so, yeah. 
kind of did those things. Remember your kids, when your parents would say that, then you'd be like, I can't wait to get out of here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing, you guys. They're still going to, we just set a place for them that we can at least go, I did my best. But you're right, they're going to go out into the world. <laughs> but I also want to talk about that theory of first impression, and you mentioned it, that, that like the book that talked about sexuality. You know, the theory of first impression is whoever tells them first about right. something, yep. they will compare it to that. Yeah. That's their point of reference. Yeah. So you, it's hard true. to deconstruct what someone else has said. So if someone else talks to them about pornography, shows them it, or sexuality, or whatever. So it's appropriate to be having age conversation or age-appropriate conversations about sexuality and all those things. And can I just say, as a since we are ministry. The body, it's good design, sex, marriage, intimacy, it's amazing, it's wonderful. Talk to it, age appropriately, about the goodness yeah, of it. That's right, yeah. Not the badness of it, what you shouldn't be doing. Like, what it's for, and the beauty, and the, the rewards of staying pure until you have that. And yeah, the consequence of tying yourself to someone else but the fact that it's because it's made for such close-knit intimacy is it's a gift for God. So speaking to that is really, really important because then they will compare that always to, oh, no, it's a good thing. Um, and the same for, um, you know, pornography, letting them know that, you know, one day you might see something where there's just, it makes you feel icky. You'll see naked people potentially, and I know it feels weird, but you have to let them know. And when you see that, you can come to me. You can come to me. And it's not just talking to your boys. It's talking to yep. boys and girls because it's accessible to both. It's just, it's out there. It's everywhere. And they're sexual beings, male, female. And it, it incites them, and then the, the shame comes in, and it's hard to, to access again. So let's open it up to questions. Yeah. You're going to run up and down like... Price is right. <laughs> I have uh, a quick question, and then a long run. You can choose to do one or both, but um, less, right? Have you had experience? What's the highest level of that book series that you've personally been working through? Like, what's the age of your oldest that you're doing? I think it covers up through age 12, um, but there's even another one that goes beyond that. Okay, but you're not as familiar with that one. No, not yet. We, we've we've done them all. They, they go, yeah, they go all the way through explaining everything in great detail. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it's necessary at some point, yeah. right? The truth is that at, even at age 10, he's going to hear all kinds of stuff from his friends because they're seeing it. Yeah. And they're yeah. hearing it yeah. in places that they ought not as well. Yeah. And so to get way ahead of it. Come on. You, you just have to, you have to get way ahead of it. So, I mean, the, the last conversations, we're getting into very, the, the anatomy, we're getting into this is how sex works physically. We're getting into this is how sex works spiritually. Mm. And as well as it's a gift mm. and it's good mm. for the husband and the wife to be doing these things. It's mm. a gift from God. It's meant to keep them together. It's meant, it's meant as well for procreation, but it's meant for pleasure. Yeah. Come That's on, right. God's good. He yeah. gives us good things, yeah. and it's all meant to point us back to Him yeah. as the source of that very good thing. Mm -hmm. And if anything, it, 
it's just like the tiniest little fraction of the goodness that God has yet to give us, right? All of this that we experience here is temporary, and it never fulfills us and shadow. satisfies us. Shadow. It's a shadow of the things to come. Yeah. And so we're getting into really deep, deep stuff with those books, even at age 10. That's cool. That's good. And I would just add, if you fear doing that, if you think that's not appropriate, Please remember that whatever we keep in the darkness, the enemy can use, right? If they don't know about their body parts and how it works, then they're going to wonder. They might feel more shame about it when it does come up. You know what I mean? Like, you be the grown-up and do the hard thing. It's not fun. But if they learn from you, they have so much more chance of allowing it to be something in the light, you know, and, and keep it there. My second question was just, I would love to hear... Uh, a way that you're integrating you reading the Bible um, with your kids or what that might look like or how you involve them? Some great resources, the Jesus Storybook Bible. Oh, oh yeah. Awesome. Um, and the Action Bible, which is a graphic novel. My son has read it a dozen times. And he, I mean, he knows the story of salvation from beginning to end. And it's fun. It's the action bible. It's written like a comic yeah. book. Yeah. It, and girls like it too. Yeah. Yes. My, my daughter, she can't um, she can't read everything yet, but she loves to look through it and read what she can. And then she tells our four-year-old about it. It's awesome. Yeah. I went to visit Wes in Colorado recently and his son came to dinner with us and he was there sucked into his action book bible. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Let's go ahead, another question. Did you want to add something? I'll tell you. Okay. So I have an eight-year-old who wants a phone already, and I'm like, no. I'm like, it's just like, how old? I'm like, when I feel like you're responsible, I'm old enough for it. <laughs> but part of it is, is like my mind seems to like not be able to explain it enough to her. I mean, there's an element of because I said so. But she's like, well, what if I pay for it? Or what? Because she thinks... She's at the age, she thinks she can earn money and just get whatever she wants. I'm like, no, you still, there's things on a phone you're not ready for, and all she wants is to play games, basically. Hmm. Because I had an old cell phone that didn't have service except for Wi-Fi that she could play a couple games on, until my younger daughter dropped it in the toilet. <laughs> and so I'm just trying to find the right words to describe to her and get her to understand. It's like, in my head, I know all the reasons. But to try and get her brain to understand that why she shouldn't have it. Anyone? I mean, the first thing I would always go back to, I'm just preaching from my own like regret place or things I've learned that I didn't do, it would be to have a discussion Really allow her to talk about why do you want one? Have you asked her why? And letting her, if it's just for games, then, you know, then a part of it is she's looking for entertainment, right? Or looking for something fun to do. So it might be, do you feel like you have fun things to do around the house? Do you feel like there's other fun things that you could be doing? And I understand, too, they see other kids playing games. And it, a lot of it comes down to, and I get this, too, Kids go, but my friends have phones, and they're all talking to each other through the phones, and that's where it's like you open up, and it's hard to come back from, you know, or not hard to come back from, just a lot of parameters needed. I really believe in the power of a dumb phone. Does anyone know what the dumb phones are now? 
It's a phone with, they can call you and they can text and I think that's it. There's no internet, there's nothing. So to me, if it is one of games and I would just maybe you could get an iPad that it's yours and she can use when you think it's right. But I don't think a phone for games is necessarily needed. Um, you know, phone for connection, because that's what a phone is for, is to be connected. And so you just kind of say, I wanna, I wanna be connected to you, and if you wanna be connected to your friends, how can we make that happen in a way that then, again, you get to regulate the text, you get to see what's coming in. It's hard. I and I just, for you, for your own, like, because I get, because I don't understand technology, like, I still can't figure out how, fa how fax works. Like, it's just crazy. Tammy! Well, like, how, how does that work? Like, okay. So, like, how through the air and then paper comes out, okay? So, quantum physics! So, quantum physics, Jesus. So, I get it. But this is what a friend told me. She said, don't give them anything that you're not ready to manage yet. Yeah. And so, it sounds that you're just not ready to manage it. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's a legit, like, I'm not ready to manage my kid driving a car right now either. She's yeah. 12, right? Yeah. So. But I do say go back to their needs. What is the right. need she's wanting? So what is the need, void that is, yeah. And how can you feel that need in maybe other ways, if possible? And then sometimes needs just kind of don't get met for a while. And that's what Jesus is for. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what faith is for. It's what kindness and holding space. And I would just really quickly add that that's one of those things, you have to do unpopular things as a parent sometimes. We have a hard rule, it's age 12 at our house, whatever, that's not a magic age. It makes the younger ones really frustrated, and the 10-year-old does have a dumb phone for when uh, he's at soccer and things like that. But here's the thing, one of the things I've learned over the years is fight the battles that are important to fight. Say no when you have to, otherwise say yes. You know what I mean? Amen. Like, be a fun parent. You, you can do lots of good things that, that win you over win them over to That's you. True. And and you have to say no sometimes, even when it's really hard. Are there any plans for a Rev Youth that encompasses kids and teens? There are no specific plans. Here's the, here's the thing. We're like, who wants to lead it? Sophia. <laughs> she has a lot to say for sure. Yeah, we um, we we've always dreamed that. We've always waited for it. It's one of those things where I haven't don't have the this, the yeah. brain yeah. bandwidth, the energy to do it. We've been praying in someone who goes, I have a vision for it. We are blessed. We have resources now. We can launch ideas. We have a family of instructors who are like waiting for the curriculum or waiting for the the, the, the workshop or the training or whatever. So, um, I mean, Glenn is doing Sweaty Church. There Glenn are does some Sweaty Church, and, but that's that's it's actually its own kid program that right. he's in the UK. And you can, you know, some people do that, like go with other entities of programs that are already out there. But Rev absolutely would love, we'd love that. So if that excites your heart, um, I always say, I love people that tell me an idea, but show me the idea. <laughs> Write it down. Here's what I see it looking like. like give, and then I'm, I'm, a, I'm an eight on the Instagram, as you said. And I'll, I see that as an opportunity to challenge. Um, my question is on Snapchat. What is your opinion on Snapchat for kids? Whee! Oh, could we, Sophia, do you want to say anything? About, about, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? We're, okay, I think Snapchat is a really, like, 
uh, danger involved, you absolutely are going to have to break their confidence into their parents, right? So you have to follow those guidelines, and I mean, you have to be honest with them about it. Um, because again, you could be a very, very significant relationship in their lives. So, you know, you want to love them and whatever, but you also want to be honest that I am doing this because I want to help support your parents. You know, you don't want to like hit yourself against their parents is, is I guess what I'm saying. Um, you want to be safe, yeah. but you want to encourage them that, hey, let's, you know, your parents can love you through this too. So I would just kind of encourage them that way. Yeah. Wes, stuff happens at the friends' houses. My question is, um, how do we, I have little ones, seven, five, and two, and we're just kind of starting to enter the, the friend zone, and um, how do we, how do we um, set those boundaries without saying you can't go to anyone's home, you can't, you know, yeah, what's appropriate? Big part is getting to know the parents. Yes. Come on. Getting to know the parents. We never let our kids go to anyone's house unless we have gotten to know the parents first. Um, and even now, we still don't do overnight. And especially if we were, if we talk to a parent and we ask them about what they're going to be doing and all these things, and they start to get defensive at all. Like they think I'm questioning them somehow, that's a red flag right away. Yeah, yeah. Say, I'm sorry, my son can't yeah. come. Preach. My daughter can't come. Um, because if they get defensive about my questions, that uh -huh. means that there's probably something going on that they are on some level ashamed of. Mm -hmm. yep. um, shame always throws up a defense. Yeah. When we know we're not doing something right, we throw up a defense. We take offense. <laughs> Um, and especially overnight, it's just so easy for something to happen that even the parents don't know is going on because they're sleeping in another room. They're not hanging out all night. And especially, uh, well, kids are just curious. Yeah. It's just, and there's nothing wrong with, with curiosity, but curiosity did kill the cat, so to speak. Um, and it did get people into trouble. It got me into trouble. Uh, I got hurt, and I know I hurt other people mm -hmm. because we said dumb stuff and we did dumb stuff. Yeah. Yes. Just a follow up with that. Do you? I know your kids are still fairly young, but do you have a cutoff time? You you say they don't sleep over. Do you? Have yeah, they always have to sleep at home. Yeah. We right now we we have not come up with like a this is the time you have to be home. We usually play that by ear, especially like we recently our son got invited to an overnight birthday party. And we said, you can stay until they're ready to go to bed. And then you need to come home and sleep with us. So that he doesn't miss out on any of the fun. We want, we want him to have fun. We want him to, of course, have the experience of having hung out with all the, all the friends. But we also, we, and it's, those are the things we fight him on is, you need to know that this is my number one responsibility, is your safety. And... And I've told him this, is I don't have to be your friend. I don't. I have to be your father. And I'm going to love you no matter what. And you're only 10. <laughs> but you get to choose whether I'm your adversary or I'm your ally in your mind. Because I will die on this hill. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm your father. And and it's gonna come down to like father, dad, pa pastor goes to prison. <laughs> <laughs> because he he wouldn't let his son do stupid stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say too, because this is a scenario that I know is going to be familiar for a lot of you, um, that it's so unique, especially you bring rest. You be a believer, right? That already separates you from one part of like having people, your kids in community with kids who are maybe unbelievers, right? Because that feels like, well, I don't know, should they be there? Is it influence? It makes you a little more on guard. I totally agree with Wes 100% that if, they, if you call them and that parent is defensive, not a great place for your kid to stay. Because if you called me and asked me questions, I would be so happy. I am so glad you're calling me. That would actually tell me, I want my kid to go to your house. We found a connection. We found an ally in this. So, um, but there tends to be, it's a harder, harder place to find someone who's kind of doing the same culture as you. So, and then you put in this rev culture thing now, right? Now you've been wrecked in this whole new kind of, oh my gosh, there's a whole nother layer of freedom that I want for my kids and my family. And so the, th the first thing I say to that is, this is why it's important you go become that community. Yeah. yeah. You go start that community. Now, interestingly enough, I started that community, and my, my, my daughter even says that, like, all the people that we that tend to be part of my community, Tammy, Leah, Dana, there's some people that are literally were with us at the very beginning when we started, they're still with me. Um, and we don't teach as many local classes anymore because we're busy doing this on an international level. But um, all her, there were no kids her age that were Rev. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it was really hard. She's great. She loves Tammy's kids and Leah's kids. Like she's a mom to, she's like a, a mentor mom, like she'll mom those kids and loves them so much, but it kind of made it uniquely lonely for her in a way. And in some ways it still is for her, my, my daughter, because it's there's not a lot of people living this out in their homes, but putting her in like young life and trying to put some, some you know, putting them around like these other like kind. But what I'm saying is this is why it's important you go home and do something, because now you are becoming, you're setting an atmosphere, you've been trained, and then you start to create other community. Your kids have a safe place to become and, and continue this culture. And whether you go to church community together or whatever, it's this lifestyle of being together. And the other thing I would say is if you're not sure, that's why we have the meetups. We're gonna talk more about meetups. This is why you can kick off community, finding other rev instructors who are near you, and you have you know, just a nucleus of giving your kids some other lifelines to like-minded parenting. Yeah, that they're not the only ones, right? Never, no one else's kid, mom. No one else's. It's has so to do nice this. to be like, well, Leah don't let her kids do. Neither does Dana or did yeah. Elisa. So yeah, too bad. <laughs> too bad. <You> know? <laughs> so, I'm also a former youth pastor, and this is just a little little thing. I beg you, don't ground your kids from youth group. Oh yeah. Don't use that as a tool to punish a kid. Um, I've had parents do it, and it, it's, it's just devastating. Right? A, it's a community that they need to be part of. I mean, I get it if there is a destructive relationship there, but if that's the last tool you got, grounding them from youth group, work real hard with the youth pastor on that one. 
-hmm. talk to them. Um, don't, don't blanket that one because they, they need to be there. Thank you. At first, I thought he was going to say, don't ground your kids. <laughs> I'm like, uh, would you like to watch them then? Like, Anymore? We're good? Well, we don't have time for Well, we recorded them. We have one more. We have five minutes. We can do one more question. Oh, my gosh. I've got one over here. Sorry, she's been waiting. She's for been like waiting. Eight so she has been waiting. <laughs> um, so, my question, I guess, Tammy, you kind of spoke about this, but. When we come here and we get freedom from different things that we've seen in our past, um, going home, we see these behaviors in our kids. <laughs> and how do we stop these behaviors <laughs> and not shame them? Yeah. Just stop it. Yeah, I mean, I can only tell you what I've tried to practice in my home because I still have behaviors that I'm trying to. Um, that that's something else my oldest like I see a lot of my ugly has poured out onto her um, and she's starting to practice some of those patterns and we openly talk about it which is a big shift from how I grew up like we didn't talk about anything in my house and we talk about it and we are beginning to hold each other accountable in it yeah can I say so it yeah. Just even saying to and it's kind of what I started with, what, how Rev has changed me as a mom. You all, in some way, but specifically for your mama heart, the Lord's going to teach you something about yourself this week that is sinful, that's that picture that he showed today, just that's festered and it's bled out and created some discord between the two of you. You go home and you humble yourself. You go first, you lay yourself on the altar and you ask for forgiveness and you you, be, you go first and you keep doing it, you keep laying yourself low and then he or she will see changes in you. And when they see the change in you, they will begin to think, I can do new things too. That's right. That is the story of my, my entire family. It's mm -hmm. the story. Okay, well. We have to be done. I would just really quickly say I have a lot of regrets over things that I've done trying to prevent my kids from making my same mistakes. It's really not possible. <laughs> they have their own journey, right? So I would just say, again, much what Lisa said, but they, they do have to walk their own walk. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was just going to say, like, it's a reminder of our constant reliance on the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Constantly we say, what do I do? Yeah. In this situation. That's what I'm saying. That's resource. Can I, can I pray for our kids before we all get out of here? That'd be the best thing we did, right? After having all yeah. that. Let's pass it over to the kingdom. So, God, we thank you for family. We thank you for children. God, we thank you that um, whether we have birthed them ourselves or you have brought them to us, that they are ours and we get to steward relationship with them or we get to show the kingdom to them. But, God, ultimately they belong to you. Yeah, you right. love them more than we could ever love yeah. them. Your dreams, your immeasurably more for them is, is more than what we could ask or imagine, God. And so we come with this angst in us, this worry, this fear, this what if, and almost the sound alarm in our own amygdala, Lord. Our fight-flight response goes for our kids. God, in love, we love them. But, Lord, we need a new way. We need a new way through. And we also need you to make a way, God. So we hand our children over to you, God.
the greatest thing we do is surrender them to you. Ask us that you would teach us what it looks like to do something new when we go home here, Lord. We ask for um, uh, the chains or the, the binds that the enemy has placed on them in Jesus' name would be removed. Any way that they feel bound in shame, in Jesus' name, everyone say in Jesus' name. Jesus', Jesus name, right now, it has to fall off. The grave clothes fall off in Jesus' name. And that there's a desire for a connection with us as moms and fathers in new ways. Would you place new desires in them, Lord, as you're doing it in us? And that when we go home, it's new, Lord. We're new. Old circumstances, new perspectives on our behalf, Lord. Thank you that you offer that to us. And that we know that, Lord, I love this statement, the kingdom is not in trouble and neither are we. Yeah. That our children are not in trouble, God. That you are not anxious over them. So we turn them over to you. We're grateful for them. Thank you for the gift of children. And we love you and we pray our raising them up would honor you in the generations to come through them. The destiny, the divine destiny on their life all the way through the generational lines. We love you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, you guys. That was, that was good. First time we ever did that. Yeah. I would say. You can let us know in your workshop reviews. Yeah. Like, God.